Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Great. Um, hello, my name is Bonnie. I am on the staff team at HTC. Um, I get to work with the youth over there. They're awesome. Um, so over the last few weeks, we have been looking at the Great Commission, um, the Great Coco Co. If you read the, the church emails, you'll know about that. If you don't, I'm sure you can sign up on the barcode in front of you. Um, but so we've been looking at this and we've been looking at how this big, big command that was given to the disciples is now our big command. So it's your big command now as followers of Jesus in Clapham in 2023. As disciples, we have been instructed by Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. So I'm just gonna pray before we get into it. So yeah, Lord God, we just thank you so much that you are here. Um, and I just pray that you would speak now through my words. If there's anything I say that isn't from you, I just pray that people will be able to forget that and get rid of that. Um, but yeah, we thank you so much for this command. Amen. So the King's coronation is coming up very soon, as we all know. This, um, on Sunday, obviously it's the main event happening at HTC. But for those who, um, uh, yeah, obviously I'm sure we all have plans on the Saturday. But I want you guys to imagine for a second that it's the end of the service today. I'm not sure what you're going to do. You might plan to go home. Um, you might go to the pub on the way. Hopefully you'll help with the chairs here for Breakfast Club. Um, if you're like me and you, you, know, you know HTC well, there's often a screen that comes up and you might just stand a bit confused. Maybe you'll move one chair as I often do and try to be helpful, but that's okay, that's okay. So you get home, you sit down and I want you to imagine the weekend is up. The week is about to, to come. And I want you to imagine the phone rings, a bit rogue for a Sunday, Sunday evening, I know. But you pick up the phone. And who is it? But it's the king. It's King Charles himself. And I want you to just imagine for a second that King Charles says to you, I need your help. I need your help to do something in order for my coronation to happen. So while you're processing this and you're wondering like, like, how, how has this happened? Like, is this, you're probably confused. You're probably, um, yeah, you're like, what's going on? Um, you, you, you start thinking through all these questions. Um, but then I want you to imagine that he, you know, so you're processing, like, would you take this seriously? Like, this is quite an urgent thing, right? Anyway, you're thinking this all through. You're processing it. He calls you again. And then he says to you, there's something I forgot to tell you, and that is that he is going to be with you every single step of the way. So that means that you can ring him up and you can be like, hey, King Charles, I need your help on this. Imagine that, imagine that. So that's what each of we get. Um, obviously, the chances of this happening to us um, today as we get home are pretty unlikely. But each of us have been given a big command to do. We've all been given a command to do by the King of Kings. 
um, the one who's given all of who has all authority in heaven and earth, as we read in verse 16. Jesus has commissioned all his followers then and now to bring others into that beautiful place of knowing his authority in our lives. And we do this how? Well, fortunately for us, Jesus told us by making disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. And the great news that we read about today is that we don't do this on, this, on our own. We do this with God. So over the last two weeks, Tim and Ed spoke to us about the Great Commission and how, what, what this is. How do we do this? Um, some people here might still be exploring the Christian faith. You might still be like, is this the kind of thing I want to follow? Like, just you're still working it out. And I would encourage you to keep asking those questions. Um, join Alpha, as there was a shout out earlier on to that. Go to Alpha or go to the pub afterwards and ask people questions. Keep asking and trying to find those questions. And as it happens, the Greek translation of disciple is learner. One who engages in learning for instruction from another. So all of us, like the 12 disciples, are on this beautiful journey of learning and growing and becoming more like Jesus. Yet what's even more exciting is it doesn't stop there. No, we are invited to be disciples who go and make disciples, who baptise and teach. Not only is he with us and in us, but we have the privilege of getting to see him work through us. When Tim was preaching a couple of weeks ago, he spoke about going um, which we see in verse two. And some people may feel called to go somewhere um, physically. The Joshua Project estimates that 3.2 billion people worldwide haven't heard the gospel. And that's a crazy statistic. Like some people might hear that and you're like, oh, like I feel called to go. And maybe God will call you to go somewhere physically. Um, I had the privilege of spending seven months in Hong Kong a couple of years ago. Um, and that was started by a lady called Jackie Pullinger, who in her early 20s, she felt God telling her to go somewhere physically. She got on a boat and she got off at Hong Kong and she's been there ever since. Um, and God blessed that ministry immensely, immensely. And she has been there and she's been used in remarkable ways. She went somewhere physically. But for others, God is calling you to make disciples right now, wherever you are. I love the J. John quote. I think it's going to come up. A missionary is not someone who crosses the sea. A missionary is someone who sees the cross. While God calls some people to go physically to countries, most of us are going to be doing our, going, to be doing our going by staying right here. Everybody in Clapham needs the cross. Um, everybody in South London needs the cross, just as much as they do elsewhere in other countries. And why is this? Well, when Jesus died on the cross um, and rose from the dead, that was the perfection of God given for our imperfection. When people encounter the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it has the power to transform lives. I want you guys to think of your street, of your workplace, of your gym, of your commute to work. Just think about it. That is your mission. This is where you are called to go. Um, I recently made my debut at HTC's Touch Rugby Club, which is really, really, yeah, great shout out. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, to be honest, I actually really, oh, there's a photo, there's a photo. Um, I actually really didn't want to go. I think Josh Moxon, about 10 months ago when I first joined the church, um, was like, why don't you come along? And I made up an excuse about why I didn't want to go and why I couldn't go because I just didn't want to go. And then someone else was like, oh, Touch Rugby. And I was like, I mean, I'm not going to that. It actually took five HTC youth to bring me along. There they are. And on the, well, they were on the screen. Um, anyway, I eventually went along um, and 
yeah, I mean, I, I got there. I did not want to be there. I really wasn't feeling it. I was actually wearing this like bright, I'm not sure why I wore bright pink cap, but doesn't really make sense but wore this bright brown cap but it actually apparently did a really good job of disguising me because someone didn't recognize me until they threw a ball at my head and the cap fell off and it revealed my whole identity so that was quite an exposing moment I was told the next day in my connect group they literally didn't know who I was um but the point is when I arrived um it was incredible because I was put in a team I had a captain and I was like following like I was basically being told what to do you kind of run in this for those who don't know I still don't really know but you run in this line and you go forwards and backwards and like the, the my captain I can't can't sorry I can't remember who it was um <laughs> but he was great he was like shouting my name he was like Bonnie this way Bonnie 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 and I literally just followed and I was guided I was followed I was taught I made mistakes you know I, I was half the time I was just running away from the other team it was terrifying they were like running at me um so yeah it was terrifying but despite that there was a space where I could make mistakes and I was told what to do and everyone was just so encouraging and supportive and it just reminded me of that call that we all have we all play a role we all play a role it's not one person being like this is what you do no we all play a role in this great commission So it might be easy over the last, you know, last two weeks, we've been looking at it. It'd be very easy to think, gosh, am I capable of doing this myself? Like, this is a big task. Do I even want to do this big task? I'm sure we often feel like that. But I have the privilege of sharing with you the great bit, the great verse, because the final verse um, is the reassuring verse. The great command is partnered with a promise. That means it's a package deal. The impossible is made possible by the God of the impossible. Jesus doesn't give us a command without the promise. Jesus doesn't just say, go and do this, go and do this, go and do this, and then he goes off. No, Jesus says, do this, and then he tells us that he is with us till the end of the age. So we'll read it exactly. Verse 20 says, and surely I will be with you always till the very end of the age. So all of that we do with him. That is a relief. Um, Jesus may have left the disciples physically, but he never leaves them spiritually. And we don't call it the, the great solo mission or the great alone mission. No, we call it the great commission, the great co-mission, because we are invited to join in in what God is already doing. You are invited to join in in what God is doing. If we look right at the beginning of Matthew's gospel in chapter 1, verse 18, what name is given to Jesus? Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this enframes the entire gospel. And this is affirmed right at the end in this verse. And it's important for us to remember that like throughout the Bible, God's character is a God who is with us. It's a God who reassures us and has reassures his people personally. Just one, one quick example, Joseph, in, right in Genesis, so right at the beginning, um, Joseph is in prison for seven years. But if we look at Genesis 39 verse 21, might might be, yeah, there it is. Um, the Lord was with him and extended kindness to him, granting him favour in the eyes of the prison ward. God never leaves him alone. And there are so many other people we could go through who, where God is there and he shows compassion and favour towards that person. God uses normal people in difficult situations, but he never leaves them alone. He's always there. We know that he keeps that promise. 
So despite the big task that Jesus um, leaves with his disciples, the emphasis is not on task. The emphasis is on Jesus Christ being with them till the end of the age. It is Christ-centered, not task-centered. We have been given that reassurance that Jesus' presence will continue to be with us till the end of the age. So what does this actually mean? Well, if we look back at verse 16, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So here, Jesus is saying that not only has he been given the power, but if we keep reading, he is sending his disciples to go out in that same power. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. Although he's about to leave his disciples physically, he doesn't leave them spiritually. And one of the last things that he says to his disciples, if we go to Acts, um, right before he ascends, um, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Once again, the imperative is not the only narrative. The command comes with a promise. Jesus doesn't just tell them that they're going to be his witnesses and then goes. No, he tells them that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them. The command again comes with this promise. The Great Commission is not to be done alone. It's not to be done, um, it's to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not to be done in the power of myself or the power of Jago or the power of Susanna or the power of Tim or Rosie or anyone or Mims. It's to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit, no Great Commission. None of our efforts would be effective without the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's made very clear here that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is the disciples to be witnesses for Jesus. And we could spend a whole series looking on the Holy Spirit and the different roles of the Holy Spirit. But let's just pick out two of them that will help us to see this. Um, so both of these two things affirm that God is with us till the end of the age. So number one, the Holy Spirit convicts hearts. And number two, the Holy Spirit brings power. So number one, the Holy Spirit um, convicts hearts. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts people of their need for God when they realise that their own way of doing life is independent from Him and without Him. Some of you may have heard of Lydia um, in the book of Acts. Um, one of the places that the disciples go to is Philippi um, and they're here for a few days and Paul is proclaiming the gospel. And Lydia is one of the ones who hears this message. Um, and she is a believer, so she, she's a worshipper of God, but she hasn't heard the gospel. And when Paul shares this message, um, she brings her life to Jesus and she gets baptised. But what's significant is that it's not actually Paul that changes her mind. It's the Lord that opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that changed Lydia's heart, working through Paul's words that changed her heart. When talking to people about Jesus, when carrying out this great commission, we can use all the fancy words in the world, but without the Holy Spirit, there wouldn't be a change in the heart. Um, in our Sunday morning youth group, um, a couple of months ago, we had a boy who started coming to youth, and he, the last time he came was years ago with his family, so he hasn't been in years and I was just having a chat with him last Sunday and I was like, so how are you finding things? And he told me that he'd given his life to Jesus. Um, but this had happened. He said when he first came a couple of months ago, he had no faith at all. And it would be easy to be like, you know, Ed, me and Ed run the youth. We have some pretty amazing volunteers. 
obviously they are amazing. But it would be easy for us to think, yeah, that's us. But it's just not. Like, you know, we can put on fun games. We can play silly games. We can try to make you fun. But actually, at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts his heart. And it's, you know, it's him who recognises his sin, recognises his mistakes and brings that to God. So if you're interested in, you know, youth or any other things, I would always love to chat. Because I think the encouragement is that the Holy Spirit can work through any of us in that way. So number one, the Holy Spirit convicts hearts. And number two, the Holy Spirit brings power. When Jesus is giving the disciples the command to go and make disciples of all nations, they were probably still processing the resurrection and the fact that Jesus is about to leave them. The task that they've been given by Jesus that we've been looking at in this series was so huge. There's no way they they could have done it on their own. They didn't have the skills or the ability to do this in their own strength. Yet how does it happen? Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, we read that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here, the Holy Spirit brought power for the purpose of them witnessing the gospel. At HTC, we value prayer ministry really highly and often have times to pray for one another at the end, towards the end of the services. And like, why do we do this? Well, we do this because we trust that the Holy Spirit will come in power. We might not feel it. We might feel it. But what matters is we're being obedient to Scripture and we're asking in faith that God's power would move in us and through our lives. A friend of mine was on um, an elevator and she got chatting to this girl who had this really bad skin condition. And they were just chatting away and she sort of brought up the fact that she was a Christian, somehow came up. um, And she offered to pray for this girl. Um, and she prayed for this girl, absolutely nothing happened. My friend left. I think they exchanged, well, they did exchange WhatsApp numbers just so that they could stay in contact. Um, My friend left the lift, and I think she was probably feeling pretty discouraged. Um, Nothing happened at all. Anyway, a week later, she's on her, checking through her WhatsApp contacts, and this girl has changed her biography to my life has been completely changed. So she messages her saying like, hey, like, what's going on here? And the girl says like, I've been completely healed. I've given my life to Jesus, um, which is amazing, I know. And like, I mean, it's incredible testimony. Um, But the thing is, it actually had nothing to do with the words my friend said. Like that was the power of the Holy Spirit. And that happened afterwards. It wasn't even in the moment. And it's so easy to feel discouraged. We might have a chat with a friend, nothing happens. Maybe, you know, a year later, we're still chatting to our friends. They still know we're Christians, nothing happens. But it's the fact that we keep doing that and we're willing to be used by the Holy Spirit. And in God's timing, you know, we can have faith that they will meet with Jesus. So that is encouraging. So Jesus has promised that he will be with us till the very end of the age. And we know this to be true because each of us has access to the Holy Spirit who convicts hearts and brings power. But why is it so hard for us to believe this truth? I know I really struggle to believe that. Well, we live in a world that is constantly changing all the time. Um, I was in the pub a couple of months ago with a friend um, and this random girl just came up to us and um, she was like, can we join in your conversation? And I was like, sure. <laughs> um, but it turns out she'd been, she was supposed to go on a hinge date with a boy who didn't turn up and they had planned to meet in this place and he just didn't come. I'm actually really good friends with this girl now, so it's such a blessing um, and kind of a funny way to become friends with someone. But I know. Um, but the point is, like, she was let down in that particular instance. And, like, people let us down. People make promises. Um, 
relationships come and go, jobs come and go, money comes and go. You will probably go through hard times. You'll probably go through great times. The sun is coming, whoop, whoop. It's great, great times. But the point is, all those things are temporary. All those things will go. People and things will let you down. But we know that Jesus offers us more. He offers us something different. He promises that he will be with us till the end of the age. Jesus is the only thing worth relying on because he is the only unchanging one. So why do we find it so hard to rely on Jesus and how can we do this? Well, dependency requires intentionality. Um, I don't want to take away at all from the fact that um, God is always pursuing us and Jesus is always with us. But in order to be aware of that, like we do need to be intentional in order to remember this. So... Um, one little thing is we, all, we can all think of that, fr- that friend or that person who has something that they love so much and like you know that they love that because they're always talking about it. So for example, like, you know, that person who has a dog who they love and everyone knows that they have this dog um, or like maybe their car and they're always chatting about their car or maybe it's those two people who've just gone into a relationship and you know because they're always talking about it. Well, for me, that, that thing that I discovered was during my dissertation days. And that is biscuit tea. I think a photo's coming up. It means a lot. It's, it's precious in my heart. Um, I wouldn't recommend the toast and jam one, but I would recommend the biscuit tea. Now, my connect group, I'm so sorry. My connect group know all about the fact that I love biscuit tea because I go on and on and on. Well, I did for a long time. Um, and when it was my, my, my turn to bring the dessert in my connect group, I, of course, brought biscuit tea. Um, and people actually really loved it. Apparently, one girl has bought it for her family, and their family bought it for their family. That's kind of disciples making disciples, in a way. Um, (laughs) Now that I think of it, that's great. Um, But the point is, um, sometimes, I'll go, despite my love for biscuit tea, I'll go through phases of completely forgetting about biscuit tea. Might get distracted by the church coffee. Um, Or the squash, like squash. We love squash and youth. It's great. And I forget the biscuit tea is a thing. And sometimes in order to remember that, I almost need to taste it again. And I'm like, oh, biscuit tea, it's so good. And then I remember like how it got me through my dissertation, all those countless nights of wanting biscuits, but also like wanting something else, biscuit tea. Um, and I'm not at all trying to compare God to biscuit tea. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to do, just to be clear. But what I am trying to say is like sometimes to remember that truth that God is with us, we need to be intentional um, in our relationship with God. And one way that we can do that is by spending time with God each day. And I really struggle to do this, but the times that I have done this and the times, you know, looking back where I really spend time with God, those are the times that I really can hold on to that truth and remember that God is with me till the end of the age. So the second thing that I wanted to us to just think about is time to ask and pray. So another way that we can be intentional is just taking time just to pray and ask God, how does he want to lead us? How does he want to lead us each day? What is he saying? Like, how does he want to use us to build his kingdom that day? I mean, it's so easy to just do our own things in our week, get about with our day, and then at the end be like, oh, God, like, can you help me? You know, but it's like at the beginning of the day, what would it look like to surrender that day to God and ask him how he wants to use us? Um, I love this quote that this um, Scottish missionary says. She says, Lord, this task is impossible for me, but not for thee. Lead the way and I will follow. 
when we follow the Great Commission, when we step out, we don't step out alone. We're simply just following what God is already doing. We're simply being willing to be obedient to what God is already saying and doing. So I want you guys just to think back to the beginning um, when I said to imagine that you get home and the, the king calls you up. Obviously, that isn't going to happen. But I want you to imagine what would it look like? You get home at the end of today and you just spend a little bit of time talking to God. What would that look like? You spend some time, um, maybe if everyone closes their eyes, actually. Um, think of your streets, think of your workplace, think of your gym, think of all those places. Knowing that God has promised that he will be with you till the end of the age, what difference will that make to your week knowing that? We have been given this big command by the King of Kings, but let's not forget that this command comes with a promise, a promise that Jesus is with us on each, with each of us till the very end of the age. Um, I'm going to ask the band if they would like to come up, but I'm just going to spend some time praying. Um, yeah. yeah, God, we just thank you so much that you do not leave us. Thank you that you are with us till the very end of the age. We just thank you so much for the privilege um, of being given this command, but we thank you that you don't just leave it as a command, but it comes with a promise. I just pray that this week you would help us to hold on to that. We would remember that although we've been given this big task to go, actually you are with us the whole way. Actually, we just need to listen to you, God. And I just pray that you would um, be speaking to us about those places and about those people that you want us to speak to, God. Yeah, I just pray that you would be speaking to us now, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, and I just pray that you would use us. That you would use us.